This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And boy, have we got lots to talk about in the tech world at the moment. Something was announced this week, which, you know, for many of us is just a huge nostalgia thing. And that is BlackBerry's BBM is shutting down on the 31st of May 2019. It is literally the end of an era for a product that I would say anybody over the age of around about 20 cut their teeth on with regard to mobile messaging. It was so innovative. It belonged to the BlackBerry phones. It was part of the BlackBerry bus service, so it was essentially free for a subscription every month, and everybody was chatting on BBM. However, as the BlackBerry star waned, as the products became less and less competitive, and Android and iPhone started taking over the market, slowly but surely, BBM became an old-fashioned thing that stuck only onto BlackBerry phones. And when BlackBerry finally realized that the age of the smartphone, which was full touch screen based on Android or Windows Phone at the time was really taking off and BlackBerry were just not quite getting there with their own touchscreen devices. They finally opened BBM to the market, if you want to call it that. They opened it up to being able to work cross-platform, both on Android and iOS, and they really pushed extremely hard to try to get BBM to take off. But in the interim, WhatsApp and in in um, China and places in the East, QQ, Line, and others had started to take massive hold. And slowly but surely, BBM faded from your consciousness. I've still got it on my phone. Every now and then I go and have a look, and no one's there. No one has BBM. BBM had a couple of really cool features. One, it wasn't like WhatsApp. If they know your phone number, they can WhatsApp you. didn't happen with BBM. There was a PIN. You had to know it. You had to accept it. It was actually a lot more secure. What BlackBerry, or not BBM, but the licensees of BBM, the people that bought BBM or licensed it from BlackBerry themselves, are doing is they're going to incorporate it into a professional version of secure chat communication. So it's not disappearing entirely, but for the consumer, BlackBerry is finally, finally over. The days of BlackBerry, unfortunately, are gone. And on another sort of sad note, We've been talking so much over the last couple of weeks about folding phones. Do you need a folding phone? Who's going to be first to market? And Samsung announced their device first, a couple of days before Huawei announced their device. And both of them weren't the first devices available. There were others that had been on the market. A company called Royale had a folding phone, which opened up into a massive tablet And a lot of us are asking questions, do we need such a thing? But technically, it's just a wonder of of modern science. A flexible OLED screen, one that can bend up to 100,000 times or 10,000 times, I can't remember the exact stat that Samsung quoted, and offer you a small, fairly compact device, somewhat thick, um, both for the Samsung and the Huawei, though the Huawei is a little sleeker, um, was just, you know, something from science fiction. And they promised to have it on the market really soon, like April. Well, they had a major launch in America, global launch, a couple of weeks ago. And they were actually launching it in South Africa last night, on Monday night. 
uh, oh, Tuesday night, sorry, I forget this is a short week, on Tuesday night. And guess what? They gave a whole lot of uh, press and reviewers an, an early, or rather, an, a pro, not even prototype, but a, an early production model. And guess what? All manner of trouble started happening. Some of the reviewers thought there was a screen protector on the, the screen and tried to peel it off and instantly broke the screen, which is quite crazy, but people do that. If you see a little, looks like a plastic film on your screen, you think maybe that's not supposed to be there. There's now a warning sticker, do not peel this off, apparently. But other than that, apparently a couple of failures in the hinge caused stuff, debris or stuff to break through the screen and mar its, 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 its surface. So there were all manner of havoc and, and Samsung unfortunately decided, I think quite smartly, to delay the actual launch. It's now apparently going to be launched sometime in May, but they're reserving their rights or reserving their launch to try to fix a couple of these last little things. Look, it's to be expected, unfortunately, in cutting-edge new tech of the sort, but it's a great embarrassment for an engineering company with the prowess of Samsung to have such an issue, to have such a failure on such a key device in the market. It's going to come into South Africa, they say, at around about 45,000 rand. So I don't know how many people are going to be keen to rush out and get one of those. But I think it's a great technological leap. Flexible screens are going to be a big deal. Whether folding phones will be a big deal, that remains to be seen. But unfortunately, all you you guys are going to have to wait just a little bit. All you early adopters out there are just going to have to wait a little bit longer before your folding phone becomes a reality and you can pretend you Spock in Star Trek with uh, your communicator, which opens up into a 7 or 8-inch tablet. So pity, but unfortunately, that's what happens in the world of technology. Things don't always go according to plan. And in another sort of surprise move this week, the Competition Commission uh, came out with a preliminary report on some of the findings into the, the, the overcharging of consumers for data. And particularly, they focused on low in, on lower consumers, because currently, both MTN and Vodacom um, charge, if you buy less data or you buy ad hoc data, they charge a lot more than for people who can afford to buy bigger bundles, 5 gig, 2 gig, 3 gig, bigger bundles of data. And what they found is that uh, low-income consumers may have been exploited to a far greater degree relative to wealthier consumers, and they have found that there may well be some sort of collusion, some sort of, I wouldn't call it offense, but some sort of administrative action that they can take. And they say that the carriers should commit to reduce the price of sub-1 gig packages to what they quote, an objectively justifiable and socially defensible range compared to the current levels. And this had the net effect of pushing the share price of both Vodacom and MTN down because it's a huge, huge data has become an absolutely huge market. In response, Vodacom said they have dropped the price of the data by 34% on average in the past calendar year. However, I will say that having looked at their pricing, the low end hasn't dropped as much as the high end, which is precisely what the Competition Commission said. And MTN didn't remark on anything either. They do offer a lot of specials, and I don't think it's entirely uh, you know, outside the realm 
to say that their prices are the most expensive everywhere. But data has become a big issue. Data has been a big problem, and there's no question that the the networks are going to have to fix it because the Competition Commission getting involved has the power to regulate the industry and create all manner of havoc, uh, which is not something that any big commercial entity wants to deal with down the road. And another really interesting uh, development, let's call it that, that popped up in the last week, is take a lot following on their, their traditional trajectory of copying Amazon in every which way, shape and form, have launched over 25 new collection points, physical collection points for customers across South Africa. And I think especially in South Africa where we have a lot of challenges around people who live in complexes, people who live in in far out places or people who just stay in, in places where they can't trust deliveries all the time or Deliveries are just not possible because no one's home during the day, and mostly that's when it's done. It certainly makes a lot of sense for them to have these so-called pickup points, and what they are essentially are lockers. What you need to do is you get an email, you tell them to put it in one of the lockers, you pop in there, and um, you put in a code, and you get your your um, your product, which I think is really, really smart. And orders over 450 rand or more, which is about half of where it is now for free delivery, will qualify for free collection. So if the total, if the order is under 450 rand, it will cost 25 rand. And I think that is an absolutely brilliant move by Take A Lot. I think it's going to push online shopping even further because you can get almost anything on Take A Lot now, from dog food to massive um audio equipment, anything. So I think it's a smart move. I think it's going to work. Some of the places that they've got, they've got Port Elizabeth, Polokwane, Mpumalanga, Nelspreit, KwaZulu-Natal, four or five places, Pinetown, Umschlanga, uh, Peter Maritzburg, Western Cape, Take a Lot, The Warehouse, Breckenfell, Milnerton, Paro, Somerset West, Tiger Valley, Westlake and Woodstock, and obviously Gauteng. There's one in New Road, Alberton, Boysons Reserve, Bryanston, Centurion, Constantia, Clough, Fordsburg, Four Ways, Halfway House, Hatfield, Krugersdorp, Menland, Ravonia, and Stratham Park. So if you need to, you can now pick up your stuff directly from one of their collection points. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Oh, welcome back. And I don't have an interview this week, unfortunately. It's just been a crazy time with all the holidays. Everyone's away. But... I unfortunately was away, but Samsung launched their new QLED range of TVs in South Africa. And as most of you will be aware, Samsung are one of the leading um, TV manufacturers globally. And certainly, I think in terms of, in fact, I don't think, I know, in terms of sales, they are number one in South Africa. And their QLED range has been their answer to LG's OLED range. QLED OLED, let's not go there, but essentially it was their flagship range, and the original range of QLEDs which came out about two generations ago, two years ago, offered the most staggering brightness and color accuracy that I've ever seen in any TV ever. I mean, it was about double as bright as anything that I'd ever seen. And the higher-end devices, the, the more expensive QLEDs up at the top of the range, had something that they call local dimming. In other words, they had special dimming arrays because 
LCD technology, and QLED is an LCD technology using something they call nanotubes, but not getting into that whole technical thing. But the benefit of the nanotube structure of this was incredibly good color, very, very accurate color. And the ability, because these LCD or liquid crystal style TVs are backlit, in other words, there's lights behind the panel, and the new quality of lighting could get incredibly bright without blooming, without creating fuzziness on the screen, without causing all manner of picture anomalies, if you want to put it that way. Um, you were able to get incredibly bright, incredibly sharp pictures with very deep blacks, and just overall an amazing TV. I reviewed the QLED 7 and 8 series uh, last year, and I was really taken by the sheer quality of the picture, the sheer brightness, and of course the build quality and the easy use. And there's nothing like having a 65-inch TV in your lounge. Well, Samsung have pushed it up a notch this year. Not only have they launched four brand new 4K QLED models, uh, and they start, interestingly, from 19999, which is really reasonable for a top-end TV. I think that's a 55-inch, all the way up to the 8K. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Q900 QLED TV, which will be priced at a mere 76,999 Rand. I said that right? 76, well, call it 77,000 Rand for a TV. Now, put that into perspective. Two, three years ago, uh, a massive TV in that sort of size range was well over 100. In fact, close to 150, nearly 200,000 Rand. Number one, they weren't 8K. They were 4K. And so the prices of this type of TV has dropped down enormously from a couple of years ago. And the QLED range starts off with the high-end Q90. Then they've got the Q80 and the Q70, which is a 4K smart TV. Now, this is what really gets interesting. And I've seen, I wasn't at the launch, unfortunately, but I have seen the Q90 8K TV, which was actually launched at IFA last year in Europe and at uh, the full range was displayed at Mobile World, not Mobile World, at CES in January. And having watched what is possible from an 8K TV, the picture quality is literally astonishing. It looks like a photograph, high quality color, glossy photograph on the screen at all times. And you can walk right up to the screen within inches of the screen and not see any dots. They are so fine and so completely transparent that the picture quality is ridiculously good. Now, a lot of people have said up to now, who needs 4K TV? HD was good enough. Well, if you stream Amazon, if you stream Netflix, and I've heard that Showmax are looking at 4K product, any of these these services offer you native 4K quality product. And the difference between 4K native product streamed or displayed on your screen is just chalk and cheese to standard HD. The amount of detail, the amount of sharpness, the amount of color accuracy and contrast is just leagues ahead of HD in the 4K world. Well, 8K take it literally to another level. 8K has 16 times the resolution of 4K. It's not, it's 4x4 to get to 8, which doesn't make sense mathematically, but 
in the digital world, 16, 8K has 16 times the pixels on the screen, or 16 times the number of dots that exist on the screen to a 4K TV. And obviously, com- the computing power behind the Samsung Q90 and Q80 is massive. These are, are essentially computers that are running, massive computers that are running these huge, beautiful screens. And all of that comes together with a picture quality in native 8K that is beyond anything that anyone has ever seen. Now, as quickly as we're trying to move into the 4K world, the technology has moved really quickly beyond it into the 8K world. And right now on YouTube, there is a whole channel dedicated to 8K um, television. And a whole host of series, which is also very interesting, they're not broadcast yet by Netflix and 8K, but a whole lot of series, like the Richard Attenborough series and a number of other series, have actually been recorded in native 8K um, quality recording. So the, the types, the number and the scale of content in 8K is going to exponentially rise. And as streaming takes over, anyone who, pretty much anyone who has this type of TV in their house probably has a high-speed broadband connection. And anything beyond... I would say 30 or 40 megabits per second, which is, again, not terribly expensive anymore in the context of high-speed Internet, will be able to give you 8K streaming video and literally blow your mind with the quality of the picture. And having seen the new Q90 and Q80 in action, I can tell you these are without question. There's lots of technical stuff going on with upscaling and, uh, you know, their full LED array at the back and all this type of stuff. But I must say that having seen what is possible from these type of TVs, there is no real content available yet. But the quality of the picture, even a 4K picture upscaled using their fancy um, technical trickery in the background there in the computers, even that upscaling um, makes the picture standard HD. And HD doesn't scale quite as well, but 4K product scales unbelievably well and you get the most incredible pictures with unbelievable contrast and the brightness and color of the QLED using their nanotechnology, their nanotube technology and their full array backlighting just comes the closest I've seen to to a window. I mean, in many, at quick glances, if they had to put this TV into a window frame, put curtains on either side and show some interesting landscapes outside, you could actually be fooled that this is a real glass window with a view into the into a, an amazing scene outside. So overall, I mean, I haven't obviously spent a lot of time watching these TVs, so I can't comment on and how competitive they are to other things. But the fact is that it, the new Q900R comes in an 85-inch variant, which, as I said, is going to be a mere 78,000 rand. And a new 98-inch variant, which should be somewhat interesting to go for. So if absolute cutting-edge TVs, TVs that literally, literally will blow your mind right now and continue to do so as the content becomes available, um, I think that uh, you should definitely look at the new Samsung QLED range. They are beautifully built. They've probably got, I think, one of the nicest remotes on the market. I'm a huge 
OLED fan, I must tell you, for naturalness and the fact that these things are super slim and they have an incredible sharpness because there is no backlight. Every light is a light. But the, the new Q90R comes as close as I've seen to that type of sharpness with incredible brightness, incredible color. And as I say, it's a steel at 65,000 rand odd. Um, and the 82-inch unit will be 150,000 rand. So let's not uh, get completely out of hand. The, the Q80, which uses slightly less construction, very much the same panel, a few technical things that are not quite as good as the Q90 range, are much more reasonable. 65-inch at 50 grand and a 75-inch at 70 grand. Still not for the faint-hearted, but definitely very, very, very Good quality TVs, all with the 8K, those ranges with the 8K ability, with the ability to upscale and produce 8K pictures. So they will be on sale in the next couple of weeks in South Africa. Um, and go and have a look. If you're in the market for a brand new TV, one, these are top-notch quality TVs. Number two, they truly, truly are future-proof because these TVs are going to be able to handle the next generation, which will probably only go mainstream in two to three years. And it's not even a matter of becoming an early adopter. These TVs will certainly deliver incredible quality for now with normal 4K or even HD quality. And all the reviews I've read internationally have said that the upscaling ability to take an HD picture, make it 8K equivalent, or take a 4K picture, make it 8K equivalent, really works extremely well. There are very few artifacts. It's just incredible how much info can be sort of computerized into the picture and presented on, on an incredibly bright, sharp, well sort of designed screen. So check it out if you're in the market for a brand new TV and you've got a couple of rands to spare in these days of these dark days of price increases. It's Quite interesting how these things just keep getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So check it out. It's the new Q900 8K, which goes from 65 inches all the way up to 98 inches. I'm not even going to tell you the price of that one, but it's it's the better part of a million rand. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Imagine spending. I'm sure there are guys out there who can do it, but if you want a 98-inch TV, it's available. Uh, sure by special order, and I have no doubt that Samsung will be happy to sell it to you at 999,999 rand. I don't know why they bother with dropping the rand. It's just, it's a million buck TV. Go for it, Samsung. Be bold. Just call it a million bucks. You want a million bucks? You want a TV? Come talk to us. We have one. It's big. It's bright. It's 8K. I mean, what more do you need in life? I'm sure we've got a couple of listeners out there who are just absolutely dying to part with a million rand for a fantastic brand new TV. And on that note, we'll take a quick break break for our sponsors and I'll be back with my review of the Huawei P30 Pro. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and um, I know I've broken up our show a little bit differently but I'm doing this from a somewhat damp and drowned out KwaZulu Natal so um, we're going to have to shuffle up the format a little bit this week, but there's room for our sponsors there, and uh, room for all the latest technology, gizmos and gadgets. Well, the last couple of weeks I've been playing with the new Huawei P30 Pro, 
And it's a really, really interesting device. And I've had a lot of people ask me, is this now the best device on the market? Is this the one I should buy? Should I not buy something else? Should I, you know, upgrade from my, my iPhone to the P30 Pro? And the answer, interestingly, last year, just to give a little bit of context to this whole thing, last year, Huawei launched the P20 and P20 Pro and followed that up later in the year with the Mate 20. The Mate 20 introduced the Kirin 980 processor, which took the AI-enabled processing prowess to the next level, double APUs, as they call them, you know, processing, AI processing units and faster speed, better battery life, all sorts of goodies, 7 nanometer construction. And the P, the Mate 20 Pro, without question, became one of the top flagships on the market. It had a camera that just did not stop. Its low-light ability, its AI ability, its quality of pictures was pretty much better than anything else on the market. And it certainly was one of the contenders for the best phone of 2018. And it certainly pushed Huawei in many respects into the forefront and almost number one in in, in global sales. They are now number two smartphone manufacturer, and they've done that with a solid combination of unbelievably comprehensive marketing. But also, you know, marketing is one thing, but they've really got into the ecosystem of service repairs, shops that that take care of your Huawei, um, and all the other stuff that you need if you want to be a global leader in the smartphone space. And they dislodged Apple as number two smartphone manufacturer globally, and they're right up there behind Samsung, who is number one. And they have stated quite clearly that they wish to be number one within the next year or two. And I have to hand it to them. They've really got the technical know-how and the product manufacturing capacity that give, is giving Samsung a serious run for its money globally. And locally, they're everywhere. They're in every shop, everywhere you turn around, you know, they, they're doing an incredible job of brand awareness and just generally keeping their product out there in the market and keeping it in the front of everybody. So pop into any smartphone shop or any mobile shop and guess what? There's Huawei all over the show. So I was, a, I was really looking forward to seeing what they could do to improve on the P20 and the Mate 20. And the P20 is there, the P30 is their first sort of flagship launch. They call it the consumer. Originally, the mate range was definitely aimed at the business professional. That sort of faded away. It's sort of the Galaxy Note competitor now without the stylus. And it also tends to introduce the next generation of processor every year. So the Mate 30 Pro for this year will probably introduce the Kirin 990 or some other amazing processor. And... Huawei are one of the few people who make pretty much everything. They make the batteries, they make the screens, they make the casing, they make the processor, they make the memory. They pretty much much make everything to do with the the device. So the new P30 Pro really comes with a huge sort of uh, need to do some things incredibly differently. And in two respects, Huawei have absolutely knocked it out of the park. Well, three to be precise. I'll, I'll clarify that down the road. But essentially, the new P20 Pro has grown. It's now a 6.47-inch device, which is almost indistinguishable from the Mate 20, the P30 Pro I'm talking about. 
is almost indistinguishable from the Mate 20 Pro. It has a very similar size and style of screen. They've shrunk the notch on the top considerably. There's one single little camera at the top, which is pretty impressive. It does face recognition, and it's pretty accurate, I must say. It's amazing how easily it unlocks. It also has two other features. It's literally edge-to-edge. There's not even... There's a little sort of bezel at the bottom, for whatever reason, but at the top, it goes almost to the very top of the screen, and there's no speaker hole at all. You look there, there's just no speaker hole. They've done an incredibly clever thing. They've incorporated the speaker under the screen, and using some smart technology, when you put your ear near the top, and it does take some time. The first time I tried it, you had to move the phone around to get clear, you know, to get the sound really clear, but once you get it, it's absolutely easy, and you get perfectly good sound without any speaker. It's quite remarkable to watch how that works. There is a speaker at the bottom, and when you put it into speakerphone mode, both of them work, and it works extremely well. The other thing they've done, and they, which they launched in the P-Series, was the in-screen fingerprint reader, and well, the under-screen fingerprint reader. And they've improved it no end. I must say, this new one has it's much quicker, much more accurate, and much more forgiving of, of fingerprint placement than the previous series. So those two innovations are just pretty cool and, and really make the phone feel extremely, extremely futuristic. As I said, the phone incorporates the new Kirin 980, which is blisteringly fast. This phone is just comes with 8 gig of RAM. The South African models, I think, are selling with 256 gigs of storage, which is tons of storage, and you can increase that using the new nano memory SIM, which I don't know where to find. I'm sure you can pick them up in Huawei stores. But generally, 256 gigs of memory is more than good enough, especially with offloading your pictures to the cloud. So overall, it's it's really a solidly built, beautifully finished device, aluminium frame, glass front and back, and that's where big caveat. I think you have to, have to. Don't even... Consider it. Do not walk out with this phone without a case. It's glass, it's slippery, and uh, one drop could be the end of your gorgeous new uh, P30 Pro. So keep it in a case. A couple of people have mentioned to me that the new color scheme at the back is a little chintzy. I like it. I like the sort of shimmery green-blue effect that the one I have. I've seen it in black. I've seen it in another, a couple of other colors. And it's bright, it's bold, it's very, very attractive. The camera setup is where things get super, super interesting. This phone has no less than four cameras on the rear. There is a massive main lens, with a 40 megapixel. I'm not going to get into all the specs and the text and everything now. There's also a telephoto lens. This is where it gets super interesting. Using some amazing technology that was co-developed with Leica, they managed to put an incredible amount of lenses into a funny little L-shaped type setup which offers five times optical zoom. So mechanical optical zoom up to five times, which is pretty remarkable. And electronic zoom up to 50 times. And I must tell you, there is no other camera on the market in a smartphone that comes close to the ability of the P30 Pro to zoom in. It's just remarkable. All the testers are taking pictures of the moon. Now, try that with any other camera. Well, any camera other than a a serious high-end SLR, but try it with any smartphone camera. It just does not work. You cannot take a picture of the moon and see any detail. But with a P30 Pro held in night mode, you can actually do that, and it is 
it's it's just a party trick. It's absolutely remarkable. And generally, I've used it at concerts in low-light conditions. And this is another major innovation that Huawei have mentioned, is that they are, um, what they are doing is they are, they've changed the sensor completely. They put a whole new innovative sensor. Apparently, they swapped out the green for the, green sensors for, for yellow sensors. I'll come back to that in a little while. And the net effect is, apart from unbelievable zoom ability, the P30 Pro has almost night sight. It's, it's just ridiculous how good it is at taking pictures in no light without a flash. You can walk into a room where you can actually not see anything with your naked eye, take a picture with, without night mode, without any settings, just take a picture. It will tell you to steady the screen and hold it while it figures things out. But you will get an incredible, usable, low-noise picture in the most challenging lighting conditions you could ever imagine. Um, and for that, I must say that there's just nothing else on the market that even comes close to that. So if you do a ton of photography in a zoom-type mode, if you, you find that you're often in low-light conditions and you find all the pictures from the other flagships out there get a little fuzzy or a little noisy or a little blurry, the P30 Pro just screams through that stuff like it just doesn't exist. What I did find, and this is actually very, very interesting, and it's one of the caveats, using a Galaxy S10, using a iPhone XR and an iPhone XS Plus, in normal sort of everyday lighting, when you go out into the normal world and you take pictures indoors, outdoors, where the lighting is good but not maybe perfect, or the lighting is perfect, I actually felt that the pictures taken by the Galaxy S10 were by far the best. Not that much difference between that and the iPhone, but definitely preferred the the quality, the color balance, the brightness, the sharpness of the Galaxy S10. Took by far the best everyday pictures that I've ever seen from a smart device. The iPhone was a touch behind. It did far better in portrait and bokeh type pictures. Um, and overall, very pleasing and certainly the easiest to use. You pick it up, take a picture, every time it's great. doesn't matter where you do it, except in ultra-low light and at max zoom. But overall, the iPhone took the most consistently good pictures. The Samsung S10 took the best pictures by far, detail, brightness, quality. And the uh, P30 came close, but overall the pictures were a little bit flat. They had a slight yellowish tinge. I couldn't quite understand how, like, uh, skies and things just didn't look quite as clean and blue or white as they should. So overall, it was superb. I mean, you cannot fault the quality of the pictures, but compared to the picture quality that I was able to get from competitive phones in normal sort of lighting and with flash conditions, I was a little disappointed that given the amazing zoom capability and the amazing low-light capability, Huawei somehow didn't quite get to the level of the competition. And I actually think that the P20 Pro has a more natural-looking picture in, in normal conditions. So bear that in mind when you have a when you, you think about the P30 Pro. I, I actually think what happened is that in their pursuit for unbelievable low-light um, ability, there was a compromise and a reason why every other sensor is made the way they made, and Huawei are obviously using filters and trying to figure out ways to electronically fix 
those type of compromises, but they haven't quite got there. The other, um, the other negative, I may as well get that out of the way, the other negative that really did disappoint me on the, P20, on the P30 Pro is the screen quality. When you, in isolation, the screen is very, very, very good. It's sharp, it's an OLED screen, it works incredibly well in, in, in daylight, it's got nice colors, it has the ability through the setup um, to do all sorts of interesting stuff. But overall, it's a bit flat. It's a bit lacking in definition. The whites are, are not quite white. And when you put it next to the Samsung Galaxy S10 uh, or the S10 Max uh, Plus, or you put it next to either one of the, the iPhones, the quality of the screen is a real disappointment. I don't think it is quite in their league. It's not as vivid, it's not as clean, it is not as bright, and sometimes it's actually quite hard to read text on it because it just seems a little grey, a little flat, a little bit boring, which is, is truly a pity. But in every other respect, this phone is cutting edge in almost every single respect. It comes with a 40-watt charger, which gives you the ability of charging your phone from naught to full in like 30 minutes. It is quite remarkable how quickly... It, it charges. It also has a massive 4,200 milliamp hour battery. Um, and coupled with Android 9, which is the latest version of Android, which has a lot of tricks of keeping the, the, the power going and shutting down apps and lots of interesting stuff to optimize battery life. Along with a Kirin 980, it, it can give you easily two days of battery life. Mostly, and I use it heavily. I take pictures. I use it for social media. I'm on the, the phone a lot. I found I got easily through a day and a half. And if you want to top it up, plug it into its massive new charger. It comes with wireless charging, of course. And even that will, will go at 15 watts if you can find a charger that can do that. You can give it 30, 40, 50% in a couple of minutes. It's so fast that you can actually watch it. It's clever. The phone itself counts down. It goes 25, 26, 27, 28, pretty much at that speed. It's, it's remarkable how quickly it charges. So... My summary is very simple. I think this is a top-notch phone. It's certainly very, very competitive with every other phone on the market currently. Um, but where I feel it, it is let down and does not quite make the best phone of 2018, maybe we need to wait for the Mate 30 Pro before we get there. But right now, compare it to the Samsung Galaxy S10, the S10 Plus, for example, which is a little bit more expensive, but certainly in its league, has a much, much better screen. Probably the best quality screen I've ever seen on a smartphone on the market. It also has a much more modern look and feel. The screen is not as curved. It has also excellent um, functionality, fast, smooth, same sort of memory, uh, and just so slick to use. The interface on the on the Huawei is great, but I'm not the hugest fan of their new gestures thing. So overall, what I think has happened is that they pushed like mad to come up with groundbreaking technology in the in the camera and skimped a little on the screen, didn't quite polish the thing. It feels a little heavy. The balance is a little top-heavy too, so it tends to slip out of your hand a little. Um, overall, they've just missed being the very best device on the market for a for a number of things. One, you know, as I've as I've told you. So my suggestion is great device, great quality pictures, zoom beyond anything I've ever experienced, low light beyond anything that's available. And 
overall an excellent device to use. You won't be sorry. Great service and support. But I think try it out and check it out and see what really works for you. The Samsung is incredibly competitive if you're an Apple guy. The Apple XR and XS and XS Max are still very, very competitive. They, they're still more powerful, interestingly, than any Android phone on the market. So they're super smooth and super slick. So overall, the choices are between great and greater. <laughs> the days of bad flagship phones certainly are gone. But I just think that somehow uh, Huawei have just missed the boat with this one. It's not quite where it should be or could be. And perhaps they were saving something to really blow things out of the water with a Mate 30, which will come in September, October, I think, or November this year, I think. So that's my story on the P30 Pro. I haven't tried any of the lesser models, but uh, I'm sure they're all really good, and I will bring you some info when I do get my hands on them. And now we'll take a quick break before I come back with some little other gizmos and gadgets that I've been playing with and some apps that I think you just cannot live without. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back to all the latest news here on Tech Talk. Um, one thing I, unfortunately, with all the new launches and everything going on, I glossed over, and I mentioned it last week briefly, or the week before very briefly, is Acer had an event in New York around about the beginning of April where they launched their whole new range of product. Now, we had their head of sales for Southern Africa talking about their Thronos and what they do in general, but they've launched a whole, a whole new range of product and some really, really interesting stuff. What they, they also did was launch a new lineup completely in, in called Concept D. Now, I had a, a long look and I've watched all the videos. And what they found is that the, the creative designers specifically in the, the tablet world, one stuff that, or well, not the tablet, in the computing world, one stuff that is extremely slick, extremely powerful, and yet not gaming. Because what's happened is that there's been two changes in the the, the world of, of laptops and computers is that gaming laptops have become unbelievably powerful, um, a lot smaller than they used to be, using some of the components from these massive desktops with, with water cooling and all the rest, and yet they still designed and built to, and they look like gaming laptops. They're not sleek, they're big, they've got fins, they've got red, they've got mechanical keyboards, they've got all the stuff that absolutely is critical to a gamer, and they have the processing power that is absolutely critical to engineers, people who need workstations, and designers who need incredibly powerful laptops, so or, or PCs or whatever it is that you need to go. So... What they did is introduce what they call the Concept D range, which is three notebooks, two workstations, some monitors, and of course a VR headset. And what they found is that these people wanted the power of the gaming laptops in most respects without all the, the stuff that comes with gaming laptops, with the super cooling and the absolute cutting-edge graphic cards along with mechanical keyboards and bulky, heavy multiple drive units and all that stuff. So what they did is they essentially blended sleek, slick consumer tech 
with some of the latest powerful insights, processors, video cards, and, and, and hard drives from a gaming laptop. And they came up with the concept D-Range. And I must tell you that if you're in the business of using computers for design, using it for programming, using it for any form of actual workstation-type work, all the computer-aided design, graphics work, that's where Apple have been so powerful and so 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 good because they've offered just that, something that was not a gaming device but with all the power and all the speed of of the gaming devices for most cases, but not in the Windows world. There seems to have been a big gap for the, the workstation that HP and the guys used to make, and so did Dell for a while. But the new Concept D900 workstation, which is a standalone, has all the specs that you would want, all the power that you would want, from a workstation, and yet it looks slick and smooth. And their new notebooks um, also come with 4K screens, Adobe 100% color for for accuracy while designing, along with the latest ninth generation Intel Core i9 processors, which have been reserved for gaming, and some of the NVIDIA uh, video cards, the RTX 2080 for you gamers out there, which you've only been able to find in in gaming rigs and gaming laptops at very high prices, all in slick, sleek-looking um, cabinets or boxes or, 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 manif- or cases that really don't look out of place in any modern business. They're not, they don't have all red stripes and things on them. So I think that's actually a quite a good move amongst a whole host of other products that they launched that was definitely one of the most interesting for me. So it's coming to South Africa fairly shortly. Um, we should see it in the next couple of months. And if you're in the, the business of designing, of creating, and doing all sorts of, 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 of sort of heavy processor uh, type work, the new Acer range, the Concept D range, would be certainly very interesting. Pricing is not available yet. We should hear about that fairly shortly. But apart from that, they just refreshed the rest of their range with all the latest technology, all the latest Intel processors, all the latest GPUs that the video processors from um, from uh, NVIDIA. And they've also updated and made even more crazy the Helios range of Predator Gaming Notebooks. So <laughs> I think they really are aiming to try to get uh, something for everybody in their range, and it was just very interesting how they've segmented their market so clearly in terms of the general sort of purpose range with good quality processors, good quality um, video processors at prices that are much more competitive. Obviously, the gaming stuff with price, I mean, 70, 80,000 rand and more, depending on the specs for a, pro, for a laptop, is not out of the range and people can spend that sort of money on it, but they can do pretty much everything. Mechanical keyboards, cooling, unbelievable screens, processors from, you know, moonshot type stuff. And at the same time, coming in with a sort of hybrid of the two, which is more suited to general office work at a much more conventional price, but with all the power that you would need to crunch numbers, do massive spreadsheets, do some design, do some work, graphic work videos, etc., etc. So I think they've really come up with a concept that covers pretty much the entire market. And as I said, the Acer range will be available in South Africa very shortly, all the new refreshed products. And I'll obviously try to get as many as them, you know, to review and play with 
down the road. So check it out on acer.com. Uh, I think it will automatically take you to the South African site. You might not see the new stuff. You might have to go to the American site to get all the latest gear. But as I say, it should be coming to South Africa very shortly. And on that note, I'm going to have to bid you farewell for another week. I think we've run out of time and uh, I've run out of out of interesting topics for now, but lots for next week. So this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on Fi FM.